And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Big shout out to Zach Prince for being first in the chat on YouTube. You can find wow. us on YouTube. It was big, big time. So make sure that you join us in the chat. For most of our shows, we will be live on YouTube. You get to see Alex's great hair. Uh, Alex, what is up, my man? Nothing. Woke up five minutes ago. Andrew gave me the call. <laughs> I answered. My alarm didn't go off. So oh, it's early. Ooh. It's early. Uh, so Thunderwave, Josh Gray. Big news. One, one down. One down. I would expect there to be more today. Some more. Some more wavings today. And. Actually, from what I've heard, when the Thunder made that trade, the Stephen Adams trade, and they included those three guys, they actually intended to keep them. I was like, their initial, that's what they initially wanted to do. They actually like those guys. But when they found out that they could get, uh, what's his name, from the Pelicans? Darius Miller. Zeke Frank, Frank Jackson. Frank okay. Jackson. Right. And they found out they could get Frank Jackson. Um, they were actually pretty surprised that he was just going to be available to just be picked up like that. Um, and so that threw a wrench in kind of that initial plan. And honestly, and I don't know that that I agree with, with this one, but they, they felt the same way about TJ Leaf. Uh, they were surprised they could get him and get an asset for TJ Leaf. I would have been like, Yo, could have told you that, man. But um, <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. They were actually surprised. We could have told you that in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want him, if you want, he's there. If you want him, you can have him. You, you can just have him. Actually, we'll pay you to take him. <laughs> take him, please. <laughs> uh, anyways, so those were some transactions, some stuff that I heard about just thunder transactions and i would expect more wavings to come today but those guys with when they initially traded for them they weren't just supposed to be throw-ins they were actually supposed to like be in training camp but clearly now they will not be in training camp so we're down what are we down to 20 yeah i believe there's 20 all right everybody wants to know about the basely stuff it honestly was not a big deal to me or to Baisley or to anybody it really or to me or to Alex <laughs> I know that it's it's fun to uh man I know it's fun to like hope that like these things can like light up and be fun but it's really just not really it's really not anything whatsoever so that's really all I have to say about it I I like I still really like Darius I think he's I think he's a good guy so like, I'm just not worried about it at all so just so you know, I, I know people are talking about it today. NBD to me. 
Not a big deal. Ooh, Darn. NBD. NBD. <laughs> oh, and I think one thing that I do think is could be a kind of a big deal is if we every time something like that happens, because I, I mean, honestly, we don't know why Darius was in a bad mood yesterday. I, he just was. And a lot of people want to tie it to tanking. A lot of people want to tie I mean, anything negative and just be ready. For those of you that want the Thunder to tank and want them to rebuild and want them to do it in the right way, you, you've, you've got to know that anything negative that happens with the Thunder, people that don't like the plan are going to t- try to tie it to tanking. Like yesterday... Basely in a bad mood. Like, how many? I mean, have you ever shown up to work in a bad mood, Alex? Has that ever happened? Oh, I can't think of one day. No, <laughs> I think that's what happened yesterday. But people are trying to tie it to tanking. He clearly doesn't like the plan. He's, oh yeah, he's, for sure. You know, I mean, that's those are the type of things that you have. If if you want to be right, if you want to be on the right side of this, these are the things you have to watch out for, because like. Drama, like, any kind of drama is going to happen in the NBA. Look at like, any NBA team is going to have drama. The Thunder are going to have drama. And there could be drama associated with losing. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter with the big plan that's in place. I mean, there was drama with the Sixers whenever they did their plan. There's drama with the Rockets, and they have a nice team. There was drama with the Warriors, with Kevin Durant and with Draymond Green when they were the best team in the world and maybe the best team to ever play together. There's drama. And so we just have to be careful with regards like attaching that drama to the plan and saying the plan is why there is drama. There's there's going to be drama because a lot of NBA players just bring drama. You know, I mean, that's just a part of it. And that's par- partially like why people like listening to podcasts and like doing stuff like this. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, and Allard, it's, it's probably because you called him Bays. I mean, there were Jenny Carlson called him Bays. Like, get get a grip, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, talking about drama, like when you're a tanking team and and you're losing a lot of games. There's mm-hmm. not like a lot else to talk about. Um, so like if you think back two seasons or especially three seasons to the OKC OK three year, like there was so much drama that year. Or if you go back to like the Westbrook Barry Trammell stuff, like there's always drama, but mm-hmm. at least for in recent Thunder history, there's always been something else to talk about. You know, we're always talking about the playoff chase, right? Or who, who's gonna be our matchup or something like that. And this year is going to be interesting because there's we already kind of know we know i in fact i was looking at the odds actually i was looking at the odds for uh-huh. to win the championship have you seen these uh-uh. okc is like in the middle they were ahead of a significant number of teams when was it what's the date on that it was recent because i was looking it up last night um yeah. just just for my own but anyways we know that they're not going to be you know winning the championship, we know that they're mm-hmm. not going to be making the playoffs. And so that already removes two things that a, a fan base would normally want to be talking about during the season. And yeah. so I totally can't anticipate that if like Shea has a bad game and he gives a, a post-game presser 
where he's just like, you know, we just don't have enough help. If he says something like that, that would it would like blow up. We can let's write all the storylines today. Oh, because we can do it. We can write every storyline that's going to happen over the course of these next few years. And then we can write what like the people on the radio are going to say. Oh, I already got one. I got a great one. Okay, great one. Go, go, go. This is one that I'm already predicting. It's going to be so nostalgic for us. But one of the things I was thinking about in watching the uh, or listening to the media day and listening to Presty talk and 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 Coach Dagnall talk mm-hmm. was that they were putting a lot onto Shea and they were being very aggressive about doing that, saying like mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna give Shea the ball. He's gonna have yeah. the ball. We're, he's gonna have all all the runway he wants to do, do, and we can see what he is. I have a prediction. That if Shea comes out of the gate and it's just like doesn't look like a lead ball handler, mm-hmm. there will be a large contingent of newfound Ty Jerome fans oh, that are no. like, Ty Jerome <laughs> should be the starting point guard. Shea is not a point guard. Tail Maladon needs to <laughs> yeah. take the reins. <laughs> We're going to have some some classic Eric Maynard redux. Yep. And it's it's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, and it's... This kind of stuff is going there. There's just everything that's going to happen. We can predict it. You know, there's going to be Shea stuff. Is Shea, is Shea happy? Oh, a, I hear from sources that Shea would like to be on a different team. Headline, it's going to happen. That will happen. And you know who's, you know who's going to be saying it? It's going to be executives from other teams that would like to have Shea. I mean, that's the type of stuff that's going to go on. It will inevitably happen. It will inevitably happen that, oh, Shea's unhappy. Oh, Lou Dort doesn't think he has enough help. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you have to be ready for it because with this, I know it, like, it sounds so exciting and so fun to tank and get these high draft picks and, but the truth is, like, this season could be, like, super rough. That could happen. We could have many press conferences where people get upset with me because I asked them a simple question. And that is a part, that's a part of this. I mean, they're literally, this team had been so good for so long and had so many different superstars. And now there's not an all-NBA player on this team. There's not. And the Thunder are trying to essentially turn around an aircraft carrier and it's going to take time and it's difficult. It's not a quick process and there's going to be like a lot of pain associated with this rebuild and with getting this team to where they want to go. And that pain could include locker room drama. It could include a player saying that they're dissatisfied. It could include even Shay saying that he, if he doesn't get help, he's going to jump ship or whatever. But you know what will change Shay's mind? When the Thunder plopped down $175 million in his lap, he'll be like, oh, all right. Sounds good. I'll take it. Because everybody takes it. Everybody takes that first contract. I mean, how many guys in the Sacramento Kings have taken that first contract? All of them. The team is going to move, Alex. If they don't win games, the team is going to move. What team has moved because a team loses? Like, name one. Very few. I made a Twitter thread about it. There's only been three since 1986, and they were all very interesting scenarios. And did losing 
uh, was losing a part of all those scenarios. Yes. Although you could argue that in uh, Charlotte's case, when they originally moved to New Orleans, they Mm -hmm. actually had good teams throughout that time and weren't getting fans. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the one that would be like the clearest example, if you were trying to make this case, would be Vancouver. But Vancouver was so unique because they were in Canada and were a brand new franchise. And there was actually some financial reasons that were unique to Canada. Like the, the Canadian dollar was very weak at the time. And mm-hmm. that appa- apparently played into the owner's thinking because they started losing a bunch of terrible games. If you ever have, or if you've never read what happened with Steve Francis, um, you know, being drafted by Vancouver and him saying, no, I'm never going to play there. Mm-hmm. Go read that. Like they had a bunch of factors that were unique to them that led to them eventually moving to Memphis. And I think the thing that you that is is weird about OKC and that's so unique to them is the city itself and the and the ownership group which is from that city and Presti even brought this up in his uh, press conference this acknowledgement that the Thunder are bigger than a professional sports franchise in Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City and they are Mm -hmm. they're significantly better or or bigger than just being a professional sports franchise Um, even like being out here in Portland a city that only has the Blazers and the Timbers, like it still feels so much different out here. Like it feels like what I've experienced being like in Philadelphia or other cities like that, where, mm-hmm. the, where it's just cities that are used to having their professional sports franchises for a very long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when I go back to Oklahoma City, it just feels different. It almost feels like back when we were in high school and going to like pep rallies for Putnam City North. Like that's the t- type of environment I yeah. feel around the city about how people support the Thunder. Um, it's it's just a much different thing. And maybe that doesn't matter after three years of losing. Well, we'll see. But I just think that they're starting from a much better point because they're bringing with them, you know, a last decade of success. And so that part of it, I'm just like not worried about. Yeah. Fans not being excited to watch losing, like totally get it. And that's that, why you, you've got to... You got to adjust your approach. That's why I'm on YouTube TV and I'm I'm adding to my DVR all these college teams. All of a right. sudden, I'm turning on Evan Mobley last night. You know, watching a little Evan Mobley. He's so tall. <laughs> it's I mean, it's true. Our expectations, everything kind of has to be adjusted. And if you're against the rebuild, if you're against this tanking or whatever you want to call it, I mean, the reason the Thunder are doing it is because they would like to win a championship. People are just going to make excuses, honestly, over over and over again with why tanking doesn't work and that it it's harmful to players. It's it brings about these bad habits that you can't get rid of. And it I mean, all these things that just aren't true, like none of them are true. Like tanking didn't hurt Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Tanking has has tanking hurt the development of Devin Booker? I mean, I would say no. Did it make Joel Embiid a much worse player than he is today? I wouldn't say it did. Uh, I just there's just going to be so many arguments, and you have to if you want to be on the right side of this because this is and this is the way the Thunder are going, and they're doing it because they not because they want to lose. I mean, trust me, the Thunder don't want to lose. They're doing this because they want to win and they want to win big. Now, they could adjust the plan today and it wouldn't be that hard. They have so many assets that they could go out and form a 42-win team. 
and try to make the playing game. They could do that. It would be actually pretty simple to do that. And then we could root for a team to win 42 games. And then the next year, we'd probably root for them to win 42 again. And then just scratch and claw and be the Sacramento Kings, who have been trying to make the playoffs <laughs> for the last several years. And hopefully now they've got new a new GM and Monty McNair. And I, I, hopefully he's got them on the right track. But... I mean, in the past, you just have these teams that just scratch and claw just to get in the playoffs, and like that's their goal, and that's fine. I mean, you you just have to you just have to adjust your expectations with certain moves that are made. The expectation that you should have for this Thunder franchise is within the next three to five years that they're competing for a title. I mean, that's that's the expectations that you should have. That's what this that's what this plan is all about. That's what it's all about. And it could fail, but I, I think that they're willing to write it out until it is not a failure. So I I don't know. Those are just things to watch out for and, and I think, things I that think, are coming uh, our way. And I think the difference um, or, or, the, or the unique position that the Thunder are in is that because they have such a war chest of future assets, if after a year it became clear to Clay Bennett and and Sam Presti that like we can't do this for multiple years. They have the type of war chest where they could acquire multiple picks in next year's draft and basically like fast forward this rebuild if they really wanted to. Oh, I think that they would like to do that anyways. I mean, if yeah. they could acquire multiple top six picks in next year's draft, they will I mean they will they will try. I mean, in the tw- in the two thousand seven draft, I mean that's what Sam did, is that he went and got Kevin Durant and Jeff Green. He already had Kevin Durant. And he made a trade to get into the top five to get Jeff Green because that was that was another one of those drafts that was supposed to be like a, a legendary draft. It turns out that there were only a few guys that were good in that draft. But at the time, like you had Greg Godin and Kevin Durant and you had Mike Conley and you had Al Horford and you had Jeff Green and all these guys that, and some of them ended up being really good players. But uh, I would say... I would say they're going to probably do everything they can to grab a couple of those guys next year, regardless of how things are going. And the Thunder are lucky that they kind of get this strange year where you don't have fans in seats, which I think is the right decision. Uh, and it won't matter. You you kind of get a grace here with, with this team and with the fan base. And I don't know if they're going to get all the TV rights stuff taken care of, but as of now, like you can't, Hardly even watch them. <laughs> so it's and, and the draft is like insane. Just the the type of player that is going mm-hmm. to be available. I mean, obviously you have Cade Cunningham, which you know he's a six eight point guard. Yeah. And then you have Evan Mobley, who's like this seven foot, like really fluid big man. Yeah. But but then the next five guys are all like two way wings. Yeah. All of them. I mean, like, the, honestly, the next three, I I heard this yesterday. I had somebody that knows these young guys very well yesterday told me that the next three drafts are going to shape the NBA for the next 20 years. Yeah, because even, I mean, we're already hearing about the guys from 2022. Yep. So, I mean, it's a good time because a lot of it is timing. A lot of it is when do you, because if you tank the last three years, you, you unless you're, Zion, John Morant, like you're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah. If you tanked last this past season, you're just kind of screwed. 
Because, I mean, I don't like Lamelo. I don't know where I'd I'd actually be really interested to ask Sam Bassini where he'd put Lamelo if Lamelo was in the twenty twenty one draft. Like, what? Where would he put him? Uh, but it's not probably not top five. I mean, it's to me. It, this is it is really good timing. It just happens. I think some of that is luck, and honestly, you need luck to get back to where the Thunder want to be. And hearing uh, hearing Sam Vecini basically say like Kate Cunningham is one of my top prospects that I've ever scouted, and he's mm-hmm. he's said that's been over the last seven seasons, and yet he also says that like he would, might go seven or eight deep in this draft of guys who he would he would have taken number one in this draft. Yeah. So like those two factors, it's just like, I mean, there's just so many guys I like want to watch. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's going to be value all the way down to maybe like the seventh or eighth pick. Yeah. And you know, the odds are that the Thunder won't get the number one pick because the odds are just low. The odds are low to get it. Even if you have the worst record, the odds are low. But if you're three, I mean, you have to remember the Thunder never picked number one. Have never picked number one since they've been in OKC and got there. So... You have to trust that the Thunder can identify guys, but man, it's uh, it's it's gonna. I think if we have our focus in the right place, and that it's not on like nightly winning, and that it's on like player development, like who, how does Shea look? How does Baisley look? How does Maladon look? How are these guys progressing? What does Poku look like? Can he actually function on an NBA court? And which I think he will. I think. I think the big misconception with Poku right now is that people are like, well, he's just not big enough. Yeah, he's not big enough to play center. He's not big enough to be an NBA big. But I mean, my question right now is like, what if Poku's just a wing? Like, what if that's his position? Then it probably doesn't matter as much. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm think. I mean, who knows? We're, we're basing this on like short little clips from this Greece second division, but. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard. It's hard watching him and thinking like, oh, he's he has the frame to eventually be a center. Like, I don't even think that's possible. He he almost no. looks more like a three, which is crazy to yeah. say. It's, a lot of it's going to be based on what he can do defensively, right? And who, who he's able to guard night to night, because mm-hmm. um, he he is kind of a unicorn. I've never seen a player like that. I've never mm-hmm. seen a player that skinny, that tall, who moves like that on the wing. Yeah, so I haven't we, either. We kind of have to see because even Evan Mobley, who's really fluid for a big man, you can still see in his frame that when he like builds out and it starts lifting and like getting bigger and putting on weight, like he's going to be bigger than Poku yeah. ever will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really interesting to watch. And also, I think talking about tanking, like when we get into you know February, they've probably lost a lot of games at that point. Yeah. You know, post-game interviews, Andrew, you're going to have to bring your A game. You're going to have to <laughs> – we can't be asking these guys, yeah, what does it feel like to lose every night, you know? We gotta, <laughs> we're gotta. we going to have to come up with some stuff to ask them. Yeah, I mean, we'll be – I think the stuff to ask is, like, how do you feel about your progression from the beginning of the season? That right. type of stuff. Or how would you feel about this matchup tonight? Like, what was the, what was that like? I mean, it's 
But overall, it's it's just going to be tough. And like I said at the beginning, like there's going to be drama. Like that is sure to happen. And again, we can write the headlines before they happen. You just have to know that this is pretty normal NBA stuff and people are going to try to attach it to losing and to tanking. But you have to be we just have to be smarter than that is what it comes down to. We just have to be smarter than that. Yeah, there will be uh, there will be some national people too who start taking aim. There already are. I mean, David Aldridge, who I have a ton of respect for, just flat out believes tanking doesn't work. Right. And I think it's I think it's I think people believe tanking doesn't work is because really nobody has done it successfully outside of the 76ers. You know, other teams have just lost a lot of games. But for people to understand like tanking as a strategy, I think a lot of people miss the mark and don't know it because they haven't seen it, which is understandable. But I just think that's that's kind of the reality. And it's going to be people you respect <laughs> that are going to be saying these type of things. Zach Lowe may report that Shea is unhappy or something like that, which but you have to like we have to keep our eyes on like what the real prize is. That's getting players to this city on long-term deals that can be a championship difference makers. And like, that's the goal. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, you want to do some over-unders? Let's do it. All right, last week we flew through the first five in the Eastern Conference. And how exciting it was. We were going so fast, you probably couldn't even keep up. And uh, bringing up from last week, let's see. The only ones that we differed on were the Detroit Pistons. I went over, you went under. And the, the rest of them, we all agreed on. So we took the Chicago Bulls over, New York Knicks under, Atlanta Hawks under, and the Cleveland Cavaliers over. Oh, those, those already sound terrible. <laughs> what Reading back over them. Uh, okay, so starting us off, the Washington Wizards. Last year, they were 25-47, and 47, which projects to be 28.5 wins in an 82-game season. The over-under this year? 28.5, which in an 82-game season would project to be 32.5. They didn't really lose anyone. They picked up Robin Lopez and Denny Advia. Advia. Avdia. Yeah. Avdia. Avdia. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're saying, it sounds like you're saying A-V-D. But is it, it's A-D-V. Avdia. Okay. Um, they're an interesting one. We, we I mean... They uh, they've got Bradley Beal, 
who they claim that they don't want to trade. They never want to trade. He will he will retire <laughs> in a Wizards jersey. That, that is the info that we are being fed day yeah. after day after day. Very forcefully, I will say as well. And I think part of that is just reporters pushing back on like fans from every other team base who are like, well, let's just go get Bradley Beal. We just mm-hmm. got to go get him. Why, why wouldn't the Wizards want to get rid of him? And then you have John Wall coming back after two seasons. You've got our guy Davis Bertans playing on his brand new five-year, $80 million contract. They've got some young guys, I guess. You know, they've got questionable young guys. Yeah, they've got some young guys. Can they win? All you you need them to do is win 32 games. Yeah. There's, There's a lot of belief in John Wall coming from the Wizards camp. Yeah. It's been emanating for a while actually so i mean if he's if he can play and he's any good that i mean i think it's an easy over right uh, i think robin lopez actually helps them quite a bit because their their defense was just so bad like historically bad last year that i think denny helps them i think robin lopez helps them uh, i think john wall certainly helps them if he's if he's anything. So, I mean, for me, I'm taking the, I'm going to go over because, because they, they would like to be better. They would like to try to get into the eighth seed or try to get into the playing game. Right. That's, that's where they're at. That's where their mindset is. And, you know, you do have, you have Rui coming back for his second year. Um, they believe in Troy Brown's progression uh, Jerome Robinson showed some stuff in the bubble. Who knows if that's real or not? Uh, by the way, it was just funny listening to Sam Presti answer a question about like the bubble playoff experience, and he was like, "It's like I don't count the bubble as playoff experience." <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> that was really interesting. But yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over on the Wizards. Isak Bonga, we got some big Bonga fans out there. Big uh, bonga fans are everywhere. Gosh, always yeah, in my mentions and my DMs. <laughs> Talk about bonga more. They love bonga, and uh, I do too. So I'm taking the over. All right. Well, I'm going under because uh, I'm not as uh, rosy on their future, and I think in this era where if you have a star player and he's on the trade block, you can get, you can basically set up your entire franchise's future yeah. with the number of picks you're going to get. If they don't, if they're not like convincingly a playoff team by the trade deadline, like if they're hovering down there in like the 10 to 11 range and it's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe we could make the play in tournament. I just think that the type of offers they are going to get in this new environment will be so overwhelming that they'll almost have to do it. Because mm-hmm. what is the realistic path forward if they're if they are not a clear playoff team by February? What is the realistic path forward for them? Because <laughs> you're still stuck with John Wall for several more years in this scenario, and he wouldn't be good enough to necessarily push them up into like you know a five or six seed. Right. I just think if that happens, they will have to move Bradley Beal because the offers will be so good. I mean, if you can get three first round picks and two swaps for Drew Holiday. What could mm-hmm. you get for Bradley Beal, who is locked up for several more years? You could demand you could demand whatever you want. 
Yeah, and if if you don't get that trade, fine, you keep them. But yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get somewhere between a Drew Holiday and a Paul George type return. Yeah, Bradley Beal, he's that good, mm-hmm. and and there's enough teams who should be interested in getting him. Yeah, I don't know who that team would be because I think there's certain teams where it just like wouldn't make sense. Like I, I don't know if uh, the Wizards necessarily want to bet on the on the Warriors being bad, for instance, even if they gave them all their picks. Sure. Um, but I, I feel like a deal is going to be out there, so I'm taking the under. Okay. I'm taking the under. I mean, I think that would be best for the Wizards franchise. Tommy Shepard, their GM, has been very adamant about not trading Beal. Oh, we've heard it. He won't stop. He talks to everybody about it. But, uh, yeah, I... I understand where you're coming from. I actually hope that's the direction that they go. I just uh, don't think that Brad Beal, I, I mean, we saw it last year. He's not the sort of player who on his own is going to be able to get your team to the playoffs year after year. He, he, no, there. I mean, what, what player could do that on their own? I mean, LeBron didn't even lead that Lakers squad to the playoffs that year. And he had some injuries, true. but I mean, it's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. I actually really, really, for several reasons, hope that they trade for Russell Westbrook. Honestly, that would be the other option that I'd be really excited about for them because I I actually do think that would be a really good setup for Russ. I mean, we talked about for years wanting Bradley Beal. We know that Presti was targeting him back in the day. A Russ-Beal backcourt for a couple seasons would be awesome. I, I feel like that's exactly the type of star that would work next to Russ. I mean, similar, yeah. like like Paul George, I think was a really good fit as well, but I think Brad Beal would be awesome. Um, okay, moving on to the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh. We, we got a mover and shaker. We got a mover and shaker, the Charlotte Hornets. I think we've skipped them the last two years. We passed, but this year we got to talk about them. I last year they do. won 23 games, which was the equivalent to winning 29 games. This year... Their over-under is only 26.5, lower than the Wizards, which is equivalent to 30.2 wins in an 82-game season. Their key losses, Nick Batum, I suppose, key additions, Gordon Hayward, and LaMelo Ball. Now, this Big team, names. Big names. Oh, big names. I've heard of them. <laughs> I uh, One thing I've been thinking about, uh, hardwood paroxysm uh, Matt Moore he put out a tweet just talking about like how weird this season is going to be for rookies mm-hmm. and I did start to think like should I be allowing that to influence how I think about some of these teams because like in a normal year LaMelo Ball would have p- played in summer league then he would have had a really long training camp like he'd have some time to ramp up to the season now he's having about three weeks and it's not even like real practices because of the COVID restrictions. He's only going to be able to be working out with a few guys at a time. And then he's going to be just mm-hmm. thrown into the fire that is NBA basketball after honestly having not played in a serious professional league in some time. I mean, his time in Australia was the closest. But you know, going back before that, it was probably back when he was in high school, which is a few years ago. I'm getting a little worried about any team whose success is going to hinge on the success of a rookie this year. And that alone is making me feel like I might, or I should go under with the Charlotte Hornets. 
Well, I, I, I just uh, I decided to go under because of the idea that any team that's going to be relying heavily on a rookie this season, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit uh, sketchy about. And and maybe they don't. You know, maybe he becomes their sixth man off the bench. But I just think there's going to be a lot of pressure to throw Lamelo like to the wolves and let him start and let's see what we've got with him. Yeah. Yeah. And is there one other guy on the team that you believe in? I mean, Gordon Hayward's a nice player. He's a good complimentary player, but he's 30 and has had like a billion injuries. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, my NBA smart guy would probably be PJ Washington. Yeah, it's very smart. If, if you don't know about PJ Washington at this point, and and the Charlotte Hornets have said they're going to be playing him more at the five this year, running some small ball. Oh, very exciting. exciting, very exciting. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's a weird pick because last year they definitely overachieved. They they won the equivalent of twenty nine games, and their over under this year is only projecting them to win one more game. <laughs> so like, I totally understand going over on them. But I just, uh, I'm not buying it. I'm buying it. I'm all in. I'm taking the all in. (laughs) I'm all in. I'm in on the Martin twins, Caleb, Cody. Totally. You ordered your ball jersey. I did. I like LaMelo. I think Hayward's a nice player. I think Terry Rozier is a little bit better than people give him credit for. And if like one of PJ Washington, Miles Bridges pop, then, then you're there. So I'll, I'll go over. Wow. So we've disagreed on the first two. Um, I think LaMelo Ball could have like an awful rookie season. And the more I thought about it, because the, the, the type of player he is, possible. he was already super inefficient. I yeah. doubt anything has changed dramatically with his shot. Obviously, he's always going to have his passing. And maybe he just like relies on that in his rookie year. But I have a feeling he could be like a just extremely inefficient lead guard. Mm-hmm. Who's who's taking a lot of bad shots? We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But you like him? That's great for you. Next, Orlando like Magic. Orlando, thirty-three wins last year, equivalent to thirty-seven wins in a normal season. This year, their over/under is thirty-one and a half, which is equivalent to about thirty-six wins. So you just have you just need them to basically do what they did last year, which shouldn't be too hard because their mm-hmm. key losses were only DJ Augustine and Wesawundu. Although uh, we should probably throw in Jonathan Isaac in there, but he's still on the team, but he's not going to be playing this year. They didn't really add too much. No one I saw that was worth talking about. Mm -mm. So they've basically got the same team. You're putting a lot more pressure on Markel Fultz this year. A lot more. Because DJ Augustine is not there anymore. You don't have that like reliable veteran point guard to back him up. But although you do have MCW, I guess that's your uh, veteran backup point guard. He's going to yeah. be thrust into a bigger role as well. He will play. Yep. I I think this is interesting because if they don't hit their over, you're essentially picking them to probably miss the playoffs, or at least they're. I mean, either way, they're probably going to be in that play-in game. Yeah. And and for a team like Orlando, who for the last several years it seems like the only thing they really care about doing is making the playoffs and the Mm -hmm. field has kind of opened for them this this last couple years where that's been relatively easy for them to do yeah if they go under you got to wonder like what is next what is next for the magic i mean i i think that like the vucevic gordon fournier group makes you just good enough 
to be in the middle. I mean, they're certainly going to be in the middle of the East, which is, I mean, that's that's just like death, right? <laughs> it's, it's, Especially now with the play-in, I feel like that changes my perception of things because yeah. now it's like the Magic can't just bank on like, we're just going to be slightly better than the middle. Now it's like, even if you are slightly better than the middle, now you're going to be thrown into this random tournament, which is yeah. going to be like the results of it are probably going to be random year to year, which is the whole point of it. Yeah. And that's just scary for a team like that. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's obvious. It's just horrible. Uh, they do get my guy Chuma Okiki. That's true. Who he was I, injured all of last year. I really like him. I cannot believe they took Cole Anthony at fifteen. That's just whoa. What? Why? Uh, no, but he'll he'll play. No, you don't think because I. I've been seeing this a little bit watching uh, Caleb Love, who's the yeah. UNC lead guard this year, uh-huh. who's probably going to be a one and done. And a lot of uh, draft heads on Twitter are talking about how UNC is really hard to evaluate guard play because of just their system. And so is there any chance that someone like Cole Anthony, who was the preseason number one? He was. By Sam Vecini. Sam Vecini had him number one. Is yep. there any chance that there could be a hidden gem there? It's I I'll say I may be completely wrong on him. I could be. Also, not only is the system difficult to evaluate, that team sucked last year. That was an awful Tar Heels team. Hmm. And he had to create everything for himself. I mean everything. It did not look good. But he had to create everything for himself. Now, if you throw him out there with Vucevic, who's a really good player, people forget how good he is. He's 20 and 10, four assists. I mean, he's a nice player. Uh, Aaron Gordon is a is a good player. Fournier is a good scorer. You put him out there with guys that actually attract attention, like maybe he could, maybe he could be a guy. I mean, that's not impossible. I probably I'm, I probably believe in him more than I believe in Marco Fultz at this really? point. Oh wow. But I don't. I don't know. He's he's fine. They could. And somebody in the chat who said it said they could use George Hill, Matty Moles. Is there a trade to get George Hill to the Magic? Uh oh. Andrew's getting vicious of picks in his head. Because that could be. I mean, that could be helpful to to them if they're if their goal is to try to make the playoffs. If I'm them, I'm trying to try to find trade destinations for all the the three guys that I mentioned and just trying to ship them off. That's what I would be doing. I would not be trading for George Hill, <laughs> but maybe they want to make the playoffs. Maybe that's a thing. I feel like yeah, I mean, George Hill is a very magic-y player. He's, he's very magic. You could just do straight up Al Farouk Aminu for George Hill. I, so that makes sense to me, but because they do have Isaac out this whole year. Mm-hmm. I know. That's that, Amino that all of a sudden becomes very important. Yes. Which is not a sentence you want to say. Although, you know, if they feel really good about Chuma, you know, they could obviously. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's some of those minutes. That's true. What's the least amount you would take back to do that trade? Oh, like a second. Would you do their 2021 second rounder? Would you do 2021 and 2022 second rounders? Yeah, two seconds. Let's do it. Yeah. Sure. Done. 
Dunzo. Done. Oh, look at that. We're done. Finished. Great. Okay. Uh, so cents. are you going uh, over or under on them winning about 36 games in an average season? Oh, Lord. I'm going to say under. I just, I think they're going to rely on a lot of young guys. I think that their veterans are who they are. And they need a leap from somebody. And Jonathan Isaac's like really the most likely candidate for that. And he's not. He can't leap right now. He's not not leaping. So, I mean, who else makes the leap? I don't believe Markel Fultz will be the leap guy. Mo Bamba won't be either. And plus, their best player plays the same position as Mo Bamba. Right. Um, they need Cole Anthony to be good immediately. They need Chumo Kiki to be good immediately, which is possible. Mm. I mean, mm. Okiki's already 22. And then you're just like, who like, Who else do they have that could pop? Gary Clark? Yeah. Dwayne Bacon? They yep. just don't have yep. anybody. Yeah, Jordan I think Bone? I- Jordan Bone. I think I would go under as well. And uh, for a separate reason, which is that I do think the teams below them, meaning like the Hornets, Zards, Hawks, are all going to be a little bit better. Because if you look at the standings last year, like the bottom of the East was a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. It was so yeah. bad. So if those teams are going to be winning, let's say even like an average of five more games than they won last year. Mm-hmm. collectively, that's going to take away from someone like the Magic. So I, I yeah. would go the under as well. Okay. Which brings us to, Andrew, the highlight of the East, the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Head coach, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Other head coach, Mike D'Antoni. Ah. Other head coach, who's who's the other guy? They have another big name. Do they? Yeah, they have so many big names. They won 35 games last year, which is equivalent to about 40 wins. This year, their over-under is 45, which is interesting as we go through some of these other teams because they're one of the three teams that is projected to win more than the equivalent of 50 games. So you have to bet them to win about 51 games in a Mm -hmm. normal season. Their key losses, Garrett Temple, key additions, Jeff Green, Landry Shamit, and Bruce Brown. For me, this is an easy over. I don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's because of everything we've heard about Kevin Durant from people who've played with him. Seems like he's coming back and he's healthy. Could this all fall apart? Could could Kyrie Irving get injured again and be out for half of the season and be causing like chemistry issues? Yes, it's possible. But they, at their backbone, like as their foundation, they already have a playoff team on that roster. They had a playoff team without those two guys who were capable of winning about 40 games. And I think adding in Kevin Durant and whatever you're going to get from Kyrie Irving, I feel like totally comfortable taking the over on 51 wins. Totally agree. I think they're going to be very good. I also think they're probably going to have James Harden on their team this year. Whoa! Where (laughs) have you been hearing that? (laughs) Uh, I think the I think the the Rockets will eventually cave. Really? Yeah. See, I, the only reason they would cave though is if one, if they get off to a bad start, or if James like is openly pouting and not playing like James Harden. Do you, is, which of those do you think it could be a combination? It could be both. I think, but I think it'll be a combination. Or I I think James is he just he's done. I think he's done. Man, because he hasn't really said anything yet. 
he is not, not publicly. Open. Yeah, not right. publicly. Christian Wood is not fixing the Rockets. Mm, that's not what I hear on Rockets Twitter. Oh gosh, they're in for it, man. There was a very funny uh, Venn diagram of uh, it was a joke, but it was Jokic, Bam, and Anthony Davis, and it was like all of their best qualities, and in the middle was Christian Wood because <laughs> he can, he can do it all. <laughs> oh boy, I feel bad for them. It's actually a great situation for the Thunder because if they if they start the season with those guys. They're already going to win too many games to really be in the mix to ha- to keep their pick, right? For sure. And I think that things could go south by Valentine's Day for them. Oh wow! And, and holiday it, of love. Holiday of love could be some mm. heartbreak in Houston. Oof. And i th- I think they're gonna they're gonna I think the Nets are gonna end up with the Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving trio, and that team. For as bizarre as they'd be, that like just clock in and out. That's fifty wins. I don't care. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fifty. Yeah. Easy. 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 As far as like winning a championship with those guys, I think that's going to prove to be really difficult for them, just because I think the personalities of those guys is going to take some time. But I, I don't know. I think that regular season, there's no worries. They're going to just destroy teams even with the current version without james i think they have a ton of talent on this team outside of kevin and, and Kyrie. like karis lavert very good joe harris is like the perfect complimentary player to them spencer dinwiddie can go get you a bucket jared allen had a really really good bubble landry sham it's perfect for them jeff green also was perfect for the rockets he's great for them TLC, Jason Waterfalls had a great bubble. <laughs> the ball will get dribbled between legs to death, Andrew. That's what one of our commenters said. <laughs> uh, death. Okay, so we're both going over, and it almost sounds like that might be our first joint lock. Lock it in, baby. We, we felt pretty confident on that. Okay. The day they traded for Bruce Brown, I locked it in. Yo, really? That was what did it for you? That's what did it. That's what pushed me over. Do you have to go? Can we keep going? I don't have to go. I don't have to go either. The Thunder have uh, media availability at 11. So I've got 11. time. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's just keep going. Let's uh, 76ers. Woo! Another spicy Ooh, one. Love it. Record last year, 43 wins, equivalent to 48 wins. This year, their over-under is 43 and a half wins, which is equivalent to about 49 and a half wins. So you're basically mm-hmm. picking them to win 50 games. Key losses, Josh Richardson, Al Horford. Key additions, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Isaiah Joe. Threw him in there for from a draft heads. I like Isaiah Joe, yeah. This is another one, Andrew. I'm going over, and I'm locking it in. <laughs> oh, baby. That's how confident I feel. Here's my deal. I I think you can make an argument that just on uh, just comparing them as players, mm-hmm. in a vacuum, Josh Richardson and Al Horford are better than Seth Curry and Danny Green. Totally no under, understand that argument. Yeah. But for this team... I think the addition of those two shooters is so massive. Yeah. And it is so different from what they have done previously. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I I just I trust 
I trust the GM now. Well, I yeah. mean, I trust Daryl Morey now. And yeah. I also think that they got a pretty significant upgrade at coach. Like for everything that we said about Doc Rivers over this past year, I think everyone would agree he is an upgrade on Brett Brown. Yeah. And the and first year Doc Rivers is like that's good track history. Good yeah. Track history. It's gold. Um, so I'm going over. I think that the Sixers are gonna win 50 games, no sweat. They did yeah. it last year. They basically did it last year. They won 48 games. So I'm just having to pick them to win a few more games with a much better team structure around them. They don't have yeah. to worry about like how are we gonna fit in Al Horford? It doesn't make sense. Which they were, <laughs> it, it just never worked last year. It never no. worked. And now it doesn't have you don't have to worry about it. And Josh Richardson, for as amazing as he was on defense, he did not really fit what they did offensively either. Mm-mm. That's the thing is that they this team just has to make everything about Joel and being a Ben Simmons. Like everything has to be about them. And somehow it became more of how do we make Josh Richardson work with them? Like the, the focus was wrong. So we just have to do whatever we can to make life easier for those guys. And they did almost everything they could to make life harder on those guys last year. And, and, and that's, that's like yeah. one of the, um, like one of the MOs of Daryl Morey in his time in Houston. Yeah. Like the, the, the player name specifically doesn't matter as much as whether it fits around the star, which is James Harden. If you can find a guy like a Ben McLemore, who's basically just out there for anyone yeah. and you put him in that system, all of a sudden he's a completely functional NBA player. Without a doubt. So I think he's doing that same thing with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's going to look a lot different because obviously the the Rockets didn't really have a dominant center like that at any point during mm-hmm. James Harden's career. James Harden's career. Uh, so I'm going over. What about you? What about yeah, you? You, give me the over. I think All right. Gonna, I think they're going to be great. Ooh, okay. Adding Seth Curry, Danny Green. I mean, Terrence Ferguson has a chance to revitalize revitalize his career here as well. I think. Yeah, that's true. If he's going to have a chance, I think it's. I think he's in a really good situation. Actually, one, he's away from Oklahoma, which I think is a good thing personally for him. And then two, like you just he he only has to be a complimentary player. There's no like the expectations are gone. I think there were some expectations here in Oklahoma City for him, and they're gone. And Daryl and Doc are just going to go to to Terrence and say, hey, listen, catch and shoot, play defense. And it wouldn't surprise me if he actually was good for them. Because we know like he's had some stretches in OKC where he's done that. And now he's in a new situation. He's, I mean, he's shown the ability to be a really great perimeter defender. And if he can get it right personally and in his head, I think he's got a chance to actually be an impact player for them. Uh, he may not. He he could end up not playing. It, it could be that, or he could end up not playing because they do have Matisse Tybel and Seth Curry and Danny Green, or he could get a shot. But again, this is just all about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and what they can do. Uh, Tobias Harris actually played some of his best basketball under Doc Rivers too. So, oh wow, uh, going back to Orlando? Oh, you no L.A. Clippers? Yeah, yeah, he was good. And so I mean, I. I'm a fan of of what they did and and think that you know another year of development for Shake Milton who played really well for them down the stretch. 
I I think it's good. And then getting Tyrese Maxey, who knows if he can contribute this year, but he's he's a really nice flyer to take toward the end of the first round. I kind of like everything they did. And I think that <clears throat> just the combination of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid is good enough. And then when you actually give them space to operate, then I think that it's they're going to be a very good team. Now, someone in the comment here says, uh, this is QKC times HGA says Simmons is a fake good player guy, which, you know, one of the things I've um, one of my strongest opinions is that Ben Simmons is really, really, really good. And yeah. he is probably the most underrated player in the league through. I wouldn't say no fault of his own because the shooting is a real issue. But like yeah. every other thing about his game, his passing, his defense, like his rebounding from a guard position, like mm-hmm. he is elite at. And the only reason why he has this, well, it's, it all comes back to the three-point shooting, which again, totally understand, but sure. he is so underrated. And if he ever did get out of Philly or was put in a system, maybe what like what is happening right now, I think just the league-wide opinion of him would change dramatically. And by the way, it's already good. I mean, he was an All-NBA player last year. Made the All-NBA team. All-NBA at like 24. What fake Good players make the All-NBA team. No one. That's right. Okay. Next, Miami Heat. They won 44 games last year, which was equivalent to about 49 games. They are projected this year to win 43 and a half. That's the over-under, which is equivalent to about 49 games. You just have (laughs) to bet the Miami Heat to win the exact same amount of games that they did last season. Uh huh. Key losses: Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr. Key additions: Mo Harkless, Avery Bra- Bradley, Precious Achua. Andrew, uh, I'm going under. Are you? Sophomore slump. Everyone's focused way too much on Bubble Heat, which, granted, Bubble Heat was a great thing. They had a great run. Congratulations. Yep. But as we've talked about, what does it really mean? Does that really mean that the Miami Heat are so obviously a top three seed in the East? Why weren't they last year? They had all those same guys. Now, you could argue, oh, Tyler Hero's going to be better. He, mm-hmm. he blew up in the bubble, and he's going to come back and be really great. I'm I'm picking for the sophomore slump, Andrew. I still think the Heat are going to be good. I don't think they'll be a very good team, but I think they'll be about what they were last year, which was like a mid-tier Eastern Conference team. I think the bubble has transformed us and our thoughts about the Miami Heat, and I'm not convinced that everything we saw was real. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I hate to say this, but I completely agree with you. Whoa! Completely agree. You have Dragic coming off pretty big injury. Jay Crowder was one of the huge reasons why they were good in the bubble. Huge reasons. I think he uh, shot... He was the best three-point shooter in the bubble. Dude, I'm telling you, he was huge for them. Bam got paid. Got paid. Doesn't have to play anymore. Doesn't have to play ever again. <laughs> he quit, actually. He's, he's not playing this year. It's mm. guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, and like, like Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley. Yeah, like I'm just not... Those aren't inspiring signings to me Duncan Robinson is what he is very good player very nice player 26 fake young guy yeah I'll go under I still think they're going to be good and you don't want to play them come playoff time but I totally agree that they are going to be maybe the outlier team from the bubble you know like that's that everybody's going to look back and be like wow can you believe that he did that that was weird It'll because, it'll be them or like the Suns. <laughs> yeah, one, one, one of these teams that was really good in the bubble. It's not going to carry over. Yeah. Do you think the Heat are better than the Bucks? No, uh, no. But I when I get to the Bucks, I, I do. I'm feeling bad about the Bucks. But no. are they better than the Celtics? <sighs> Man, the, we should wait because <laughs> I don't feel good about either of those teams. Are they better than the Sixers? No. See, I think the Sixers and the Nets are going to be the class of the Eastern Conference. Okay. That's how I'm feeling right now. Okay. I think the Heat are in the mix. They're going to be in the mix, but I, I think the Celtics and the Bucks are both better. Now, uh, we have a commenter in the chat saying, but what about, well, you know, there's not going to be fans in the stands. Won't that be pretty replicable to the bubble? And that's possible. It's possible. It is, uh, if, if that was the thing that made it work for them, yeah, I, I, I still think like not being able to see your family and being just in the same place every single day was good for some teams. Obviously, very good for Jimmy Butler with his psycho behavior, you know? Oh, he's psycho behavior. Listen, that, that's a hot take from us. The fact that we both uh, went under. I totally yeah, understand take, why people would go over. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah, the most the sense to go over. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you have to leave? No. Keep going? Oh, wow. Let's keep going. Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers. Let's let's go. Let's rapid fire the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers. (laughs) Record last year, 45 wins projected uh, in an 82-game season to be about 51 wins. This year, their over-under is 39 and a half. 82-game projection is 45 wins. So they're, they're projecting that the Pacers will win five less games this year. Yeah. Key losses, 
TJ Leaf. <laughs> Key additions, Jalen LeCue. <laughs> All right, but now before you answer, Andrew, uh-huh. crystal ball question, how many All-Stars will the Pacers have? As you remember, last year, Sabonis was an All-Star, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, you know, if Brogdon had been healthy, I would have picked him for All-Star as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Probably, probably just one. Probably just one. Probably just one. Probably that's probably correct. So there's a very interesting dynamic with the Pacers in that we've all heard the smoke about Victor Oladipo, yeah, and along with that, Miles Turner. But and 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 you could you could foresee that that would cause some issues in the locker room or if they don't get off to a good start. Definitely. If, yeah. If if Oladipo is the same player that we saw in the bubble which was like not all-star Oladipo, but -hmm. obviously still thinking that he's all-star Oladipo, of course. Why wouldn't you? And so I could definitely see that causing issues. And then you have bubble man, like ultimate bubble man, TJ Warren coming back hot off the bubble. Probably going to be wanting some more playing time. You still have Sabonis. You still have Turner. You still have Brogdon. This team won about 50 games last year mm-hmm. while having a lot of injuries to Brogdon, yeah. having not having Old Depot for most of that season, and then he came back and wasn't really playing full strength. Mm-hmm. And then they had unlocked TJ Warren yet and still won 50 games. Yeah. How are you feeling? Because I know last year you hated the Pacers. I hated them. Thought still they might miss ha- the playoffs. Still kind of hate them, to be honest. Do you I think like they can win the equivalent of 45 games? Yeah, I do. I do. I'll probably take like a slight over on that. I think that they're probably they're probably within that range. But I do think that it's I think the Pacers would have liked to trade Oladipo and Miles Turner, but there's no there's no market for either one of them. And that's it's a problem and it's kind of puts them in a weird spot. It does because if, although like, would you necessarily have felt better about this team if they had been able to do that sign and trade where they sent out like Doug McDermott and Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward? I don't know. This team is just blah to me. Oh, they're the ultimate blah team. They did get some sick new threads. They did. They're going to be good. Like this is going to be a good team. Yeah, I mean, I actually probably would feel a little bit better about them because then it just like Sabonis is like, he's your full-time five. You play Hayward at the four. Then you have Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb out on the perimeter. I actually probably would feel better about them. Really? Now you still have like this weird like Miles Turner, Sabonis dynamic where it's like, who plays what position? Who really cares? You know, I don't know. Sounds like you I'll don't take the, care. I'll take the over and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you I don't really care. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to take the under just because I feel like you said enough negative things where okay. they deserve they deserve at least one of us. <laughs> I know. Saying I, just, I just got done saying all these negative things and then I take the over. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on. Boston Celtics. Now, this is a spicy one. This one, this one actually would be a lock for me potentially. So their mm-hmm. record last year, 48 wins, which was equivalent to about 55 wins. Ooh, boy. They were a 55-win team last year. Over-under this year is 44.5, which is equivalent to about 51 wins. So Uh they're already projecting them to win about four less games. And why would they do that? Well, their key losses, Gordon Hayward, Ennis Cantor, and Mm -hmm. Brad Wanamaker, Mm -hmm. key additions, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Naismith, 
Jeff Teague, and Tristan Thompson. Yeah. And the obviously the other factor here, which I did get these over-unders yesterday, which the report came out yesterday that Kemba Walker is having a procedure done on his knee. Yep. He's got he's got a, a, a bad knee, and he's uh-huh. not going to even be evaluated until January. Yeah. So that factors in a little bit. I mean, that's going to be that means they're probably going to be pe- playing Jeff Teague a lot. Yeah, I think it's honestly going to be more minutes for Marcus Smart total, that, which would be nice. I like Marcus Smart. Yeah. So this is interesting because I do think they got worse this off season. Yeah. I'm not as super high on Tristan Thompson as everyone else, but he's certainly a, like a functional center and yeah, he's, 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 he's solid. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Tatum and Brown and I love smart. And so I think it's very easy to just say like, yeah, of course they're going to win more than 51 games. I mean, that's, that's winning less than they did last year, mm-hmm. but they're still a really good team. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was coming into this saying I was going to lock the under, but now I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling I'm, I'm wavering. Yeah, let I me, mean it's it's more let me let me try to talk you into the over. More usage for Jason Tatum. Tatum's 22. <laughs> he wow. averaged like 25, 10 and 5 in the bubble. He was outstanding and he's and he just got his second contract. Jalen Brown was 20 points, six and a half boards and two assists last year. More more shots for him. Marcus Smart will take on a bigger role. Marcus Smart's only 26. Feels like Marcus Smart's like 30, but he's not that old. Uh, I think they expect big things from Grant Williams, which may not be as exciting for you, but very exciting for me. Mm. Um, they're, the, biggest, the biggest thing for them is their bench. Their bench is very young. They have guys. I don't know who will start. I think they might still start Daniel Tice at center and have Tristan come off the bench. I think that that's that may be in the plans. Like Romeo wow. Langford, I don't know that Romeo Langford will be anything. They're going to count. Like Aaron Aaron Neesmith is going to play. <laughs> he will play for them. Peyton Pritchard, I don't know if he'll play, but he'll he'll get a shot. Jeff Teague probably coming off the bench as their six man type of guy. And I guess the one thing about this Boston team that like Jeff Teague is not an inspiring signing to me, but Brad Stevens has done a good job of getting a lot out of point guards. And so maybe, maybe that's like a little, a little glimmer of hope for the Celtics and like having Jeff Teague come off the bench. But I just think, you know, through the years with like the teams with Russ and KD you looked at the supporting cast and like, honestly, it just didn't really matter from year to year who it was. You could put a ton of different guys at them and like, they're still going to be very good. And I think that Tatum and Brown maybe aren't at the same level as a Russ and KD, but they're not that far off. So before you answer your over under, I do want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is what the Celtics did this off season. Uh-huh. So this is from Jared Weiss at the athletic. Yeah. Talk, he was talking about the TPE that they got, the traded player exception. Yep. He reports that they turned down an offer of Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and a future late first-round pick for Gordon Hayward in favor of creating this trade exception, which, by the way, they didn't just create it. They paid for it. 
Mm-hmm. They sent two unprotected second round picks to Charlotte to allow them to create this traded player exception. They got back a fake second is like a top 55 protected second. I think that is a fascinating move. And obviously we don't, we, we can't really judge it until we see what they do with this, this traded player exception. If anyone's wondering, it is like $150,000 less than what Bradley Beal makes. So it will <laughs> not be used to acquire Bradley Beal, but it is big enough where you can acquire a decent number of players around the league very easily. Yeah. And so you have to wonder if they already have someone in mind or if they just really like the flexibility because I'm sure it's happened before, but I just thought it was really interesting that they proactively paid Charlotte to allow them to make this player exception. Mm-hmm. The Thunder could just give them Al Horford. We could. Here, have him. Have him. Take him. Sure. We don't want him. Take him. They could give, let's see. Like, how would you feel right now if you were a Celtics fan? You know what the offer was out there. Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, future first. And you you know that that was available to you. Uh-huh. And instead, you got this trap exception. How would you be feeling right now? I think Miles Turner is overrated. This was my first <laughs> sentence. I don't know. It's hard to say because I don't know what they can get with that. What what could you... what? What's feasible? They could, they could just take Oladipo, right? Yeah. yeah. You could just, I mean, if let's say that he comes back and he pl- he plays well, but he's still like, yeah, get me out of here. You just take him for a year. You just take him for the year. Would you feel better about the team if they had Victor Oladipo? Not really. Not at okay. all. What would make you feel better? How, how can um, make you feel better, just personally? Actually, thank you for hearing about me for <laughs> once. Um, I would say, so some of the names that Jared Weiss brought up, one of the Orlando guys, like Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross. He also yeah. brought up uh, Buddy Heald, maybe, or Harrison Barnes. Now, they, they, you know, some of these deals, they're going to have to be sending something back, but they can absorb the players very easily. Yeah, you could just send them a second round pick or something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Buddy on that team would be kind of fun. What about what about this? What if Otto Porter comes back and looks good? Oh, no, I I just I mean I used to love Otto Porter, and he was really good fantasy guy. Yeah, what if he becomes that guy again? Wouldn't he be great? Like a great role player? I mean, he he hits, he shoots a high volume and hits a high percentage of corner threes when he's healthy. Yeah, when he's healthy. I don't know. That just seems so far away because we're already talking hypotheticals with this TPE. I'm talking about like just players that would just be given to them, though. Yeah. I just feel like it, I don't I don't think they would have paid this much for this TPE just to bring in like a random guy who they mm-hmm. can just have. I feel like yeah. they make that deal because they think they can get someone locked in with the Celtics for a couple of years. So like... For instance, trading for someone like a Buddy Heald where you have to give something back, you yeah. lock him in for a few years and you have all of a sudden gotten an asset that is going to be with your team going forward. Yeah. I, I don't think you do it just for one year of a guy. What about for Aaron Gordon? Yeah, so, yeah. I'm I'm still very much a believer in Aaron Gordon. Did you know that he just turned 25? Just. Yeah, I mean- 
I mean, that would if you just start him at the four next yeah. to Daniel Tice. Yeah. And the, let's I mean, let's say the magic just suck. Like, oh boy, like this is horrible. You Ooh, could send boy. them, you could give them Langford, Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, and a second round pick for Aaron Gordon. Sure. Yeah. I, that's the type of move that I think they'd want to do. Where they can get a youngish guy mm-hmm. that's on their timeline that is basically another wing, just like another... Because at that point, if you roll out a lineup, I mean, you could roll up some crazy super small ball lineups. Yeah, you could play you like, like center. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Kemba. Like That's terrifying. That'd be sick. That'd be pretty That'd be awesome. sick. A pretty sick. Okay. <laughs> so would you go over under on uh, them winning the equivalent of about 51 games? Uh, I'm going, I'll go over. I I really think, I think Tatum could take another step up. And I think Danny Ainge is always doing stuff. And to think that this is going to be their team, I just don't think it's going to be their team. I think they're going to do some more steps. Yeah. And, you know, if you're betting on the over, you're basically betting on this is a really good organization and they have this piece available to them. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, we have heard this time and time again with Danny Ainge. He always has some asset that's about to be flipped into something else, and it never is, except in that's the true. one case of Kyrie. Yeah, that's true. I think there will be pressure. There'll be pressure on him to do something with that trade exception. I don't think you acquire the largest trade exception in NBA history and pay for it and then do nothing with it. I'll say that. And it's been interesting listening to Simmons, obviously a Bill Simmons, a big Celtics fan, kind of coming to this realization that this team probably should have been and could have been a lot closer to winning a championship these last couple of years. Yeah. And and I mean, we didn't re- we really realize it in the moment because Jason Tatum was like leaping in front of our eyes like it was mm-hmm. happening in that moment. Um, but yeah, looking back, like there's no reason why they couldn't have been that team in the bubble this year. I mean, they were just as talented. Well, and you lose Kyrie, Horford, and now Gordon Hayward all for nothing. The, I mean, uh, uh, except the largest TPE in league history. Yes. And, and if they can salvage that, then maybe it's fine. But right now it doesn't look there's I there's something weird there with that team you don't lose i mean Kyrie is weird he's a weirdo fine but you lose two guys that willfully left and some of it was the money but if the situation was very very good for them gordon hayward's not leaving he just opts in right yeah al warford just resigns yeah but there's, it's weird. there's something about the situation there and and it's it's funny because Prior to them signing Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, Boston was not thought of as a free agent destination. And that was actually like a really big deal that they got both of those players. Yeah. And now it's seeming like we're back to where we were, which is like Boston isn't really a place that attracts free agents. Yeah. They didn't even though though. I know they got Kemba, but now it feels like that's blowing up in their face as well for completely other reasons. Right. Matty Moles asked, could they get Gordon and Hill for the TPE? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can only get one player. Yeah, only, only one transaction with the only TPE. Yeah. 
So they could do it. Okay, Andrew, we're, we only have two left. If we could get through the Eastern Conference, that would be amazing. Let's do it. All right. Next, the Toronto Raptors, the Tampa Bay Raptors. Their record last year, 53-19, and 19, equivalent of 60.4 wins. They're over-under. They were a 60-win team last year. They're over-under this year, 43 and a half. 82 games, that's 49 and a half wins. They're projected wow. to lose 10 of those wins. Their key losses, Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, Rondé, Hollis Jefferson, key additions, Aaron Baines, DeAndre Bembry, Alex Lynn. I'm telling you right now, Andrew, I'm going over and I'm locking it in. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Tell me, tell me. So we talked about it last time, how one of the big uh, uh, random factors this year is COVID because yeah. we've seen it with the NFL. Like a few guys can get COVID and all of a sudden it screws up the entire schedule. It's going to be even worse in the NBA because if one guy gets COVID, he could be out potentially like 10 to 14 days yep. and, and miss maybe five games, mm-hmm. which would be a big deal. As I look over all the teams, who would potentially have the biggest advantage at not getting COVID, I think it's the Raptors because they're not in their home city. They're in Tampa Bay. They're basically in their own kind of pseudo bubble. This is true. They're going to be in that bubble mindset. They're going to be so focused. You know, it's just going to be basketball all the time. And yes, they lost some key pieces. Okay. Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, very good. But you're not having to project them to win 60 games like they did last season. They won 60 Uh games or the equivalent. You're only having to project them to win 10 wins less. Projecting them to win 50 games. Mm -hmm. I think Nick Nurse is an incredible coach. I think Siakam, for as bad as he looked in the bubble, it's going to work out fine in the regular season. They've got Fred Van Van Vliet back. They've got Kyle Lowry back. I'm saying one more year of really high-quality Raptors basketball. I'm going over and locking it in. Wow. Wow. Oh, I also want to go back to our Nets lock and lock it in even harder. Wow, double lock. Because all the Nets have had COVID. All of them. Actually, I should have brought that up. That's true. All the Nets have basically had COVID already. So they're another team that has like that weird benefit. Which is the the strangest competitive advantage to have. Yeah, and obviously there are some reports of reinfection, but it doesn't seem to be like as prevalent, right? Um, so so it does seem to have some advantage for the Nets. Yeah, (laughs) it's just a weird thing to say, but it's just true. (laughs) They've all had it. Um, yeah, the Raptors struggled injury a lot last year too, and just kept winning. I really like Malachi Flynn. I think he could come in right away and play. Uh, you do have like the like Terrence Davis was like weirdly important to them last year in the regular season, and he's got some some weird legal issues going on where he may not even be in the NBA anymore. Uh, so that's that's a tough one for them, but like they believe in Chris Boucher and like, Aaron Baines is a nice addition. I think he's going to fit right in with the Raptors culture there. Uh, I think they'll miss Ibaka. Definitely, they will miss Ibaka. But I think Aaron Baines is like a nice enough player to replace Marcus Gasol. And even actually might even be better for them because Aaron Baines will actually take threes where Marcus Gasol is a little more reluctant to. 
like per per minute, Aaron Baines takes way more threes than Marcus All did, which I think will be helpful to them. So I'm kind of with you. I don't know that I'll lock it in, but I I like this team. I like the I like the culture of the team from the GM down to the coach, and then the leaders of the team like Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet. Uh, Norman Powell was very good for them last year, and maybe that maybe that's a fluke because he's he tends to kind of wax and wane through the years. You know, Norman Powell averaged 16 points per game last year. Wow. No, I did not know that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a thing that happened. He averaged more points per game than Surge. That's kind of wild. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That, that kind of weirded me out when I saw that. So he's their fourth leading scorer? Yeah. Does that make you feel better or worse? Uh, better fourth fourth leading, yeah. I I just think they're still very strong up top. Those those top three guys, I yeah. just believe in a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think Van Vliet is very good, and they actually got a pretty nice deal for him. I think twenty million is a little over twenty million. It's a good it's a good contract for him. I think he he earned that. Uh, before we go to our last one, you know, we've been talking about locks, Andrew. I got a new YouTube recommendation. Now, this yeah. one is this one isn't as like in the weeds. This is a pretty well known. You may know him yourself, the lock picking lawyer. Have you seen this guy? No. He's he's a lawyer on YouTube who has a very calm voice, and all he does on his channel is he he cracks locks. <laughs> the, the entire show. They're, usually, the videos are like two to four minutes. He's just picking locks. He's just picking locks. He's very good at it. Like elite. Wow. Like he gets locksmiths who send him locks with like a hundred dollars in them and say, if you can break this lock open and he does it in like three seconds. So wow. go check out lock picking lawyer. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by lock picking lawyer. <laughs> and he gets like millions of views on That's his videos. Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, okay. Our, fin- our grand finale. For the Eastern Conference over-unders, we made it. This is the most we've ever done in an episode. Congratulations to us. We're going to still be on track to finish by the start of the season. Milwaukee Bucks last year won 56 games, which was equivalent to about 63 wins. This year, they're over-under highest in the league, 50.5, which over an 82-game season would be about 57.5 wins. Before I read their losses, why don't we read their additions? Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. Tory Craig, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, Nick Stauskas. Now let's read their losses. Robin Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Ersan Ilyasova, Kyle Korver, Wes Matthews, Marvin Williams. I hadn't thought about the Bucks too much mm-hmm. in terms of who they lost until I started writing all those guys out. And... Yes, there are flaws with each of those players, but every single one of those guys is an NBA rotation player. Somebody who you can play in an NBA game and feel generally confident about what they're going to do because they're a known asset. You know who these guys are. You know who George Hill is. You know who Wes Matthews is. Even someone like Marvin Williams, who I guess is retired now. You knew what he was bringing to the table. To lose, what is that, seven? Lose seven of those guys? And to really only replace them with Drew Holiday, because mm-hmm. I, I think the other guys they brought in, Stauskas, Portis, Forbes, Craig, 
any of those guys could pop, and I'm sure one or two of them will. But I still don't feel like super confident on betting on those guys the way I would feel confident about betting on those seven veterans that left. And so when you look now at their over under, yes, they're projected to win like five less games than they won last year. But still, 57 and a half wins, which basically means you have to pick them to win 58 games, which is probably going to be the highest total Mm -hmm. in the league this year. I don't think I can do it, Andrew. I think I'm going under. Uh, I'm going over and I'm locking it in. Oh, no! Lock that baby in. Uh, All the guys that you mentioned, they all have one thing in common. They don't matter. That's not true. None of those guys matter. None of them. Not one of them. Not even one. So you only think, as long as you have Drew, Middleton, and Giannis, whatever. Yes. That's, but it's that's not just what it's not just whatever. It's not you're picking them. You're not like you're just picking them to win 50 games, which I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. You yeah. have to they have to win the equivalent of like 58 wins. Do you think they're going to be the best team in the league again? Um, Yeah. You, so I you do. would pick them for the number one seed in the East. Lock it in. Wow. Locking it in. Please lock it in. Oh. I yep. refuse. I refuse to lock it in. Please lock it in. I'm going to do undercase lock on my screen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm all in. I think that they, and this has been said on a lot of shows, but I think it matters. They probably have the best trio in the league because one, there's just not a lot of very good trios in the NBA <laughs> right now, <laughs> but like from top to bottom, the Giannis Middleton Drew Holiday is probably the best trio. Is that true? Let me think about this. Okay, I've thought not, about it. Well, I don't think there are any. There's like there's not. Like I might I might actually put like Dame CJ and Nurkic very high on that list, which I don't think right. that's as good as the Bucks. Yeah. Exactly. And it's and it's that's probably more to do with the way that talent is spread out in the NBA today than it is to do with like this Bucks trio being amazing. But I do think that when, in regards to like winning regular season games, that totally matters. Oh, we got some suggestions. What about LeBron AD and Thunder legend Dennis Schroeder? I was actually trying to think of who I would put as third on the Lakers. I forgot that uh, Schroeder was there. Yeah, I mean, the third best guy is Drew Holiday. Like Drew Holiday is a heck of a lot better than Schroeder is. Yeah, but I would take LeBron and AD over Giannis and Chris. Giannis is very good. I know he had a bad bubble, but is Giannis, he I mean, is he is he any good? Back to back MVP. Is he very any good? good? <laughs> Austin Sternlich says Knicks have cap, space, and flexibility. That's right, That's pretty, baby. A pretty good trio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I think the only guy that they will really miss is George Hill. That's what I would say. It's it's going to be interesting to watch because they are, you would agree that they are not as deep as last year. Yeah. I mean, they are definitely a thinner team. Their bench is going to look bad and potentially be bad. 
Which could potentially help them come playoff time because Bud was so reliant on playing so many guys and wouldn't play Giannis very a lot a ton of minutes. He wouldn't yeah, play those guys many minutes. And when it came time for playoffs, they they still wouldn't do it. And it made them a lot worse <laughs> because they relied on their bench too much. And if to me, relying on Giannis Drew Holiday and Middleton more is only going to be good. I think Bobby Portis is a, is a, a nice regular season guy. I don't know what he can do come playoff time. I think Torrey Craig is a helpful defender. I think Brent Forbes can really shoot it. Nick Rocks. One. Yeah, Nick. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow, we made it through the whole Eastern Conference, which means we can do the Western Conference. We Next did week. it. <laughs> we did oh, 10 man. this week. Oh, it only feel, took us. Feels uh, good. Actually, it's not even two hours, hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half. Big whoop. Big bad. whoop. Not bad. So, so who do you know? Uh, going back to the Thunder, today's media availability, do you know who it's going to be? Hami. Hami. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Just, somebody else. Oh, somebody else. I'm not sure. Do you think Poku will ever be in the media availability? Uh huh. He will be. So we'll yeah. get to talk to him. Uh huh. Yeah, he'll talk. This, he'll. He's supposed to talk this week. Interesting. Yep. Yep. That should be fun. But all right. Hopefully, I don't make anybody mad today by asking a simple question. You know, Bass was just getting you back. He he's probably good friends with Kyle Singler, he and Kyle was like, is. "Hey, if this guy ever asks you a question, please just, rip into him because just get him. He's a jerk." What's well, funny, like the setting is me sitting here in this exact same place all day and we have to have our cameras off so they can't see us. I don't oh, know really? what yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're looking at. And I don't even know like they say like Andrew Schleck from the Athletic and Down to Dunk. Uh I don't know I don't know what that means to them. Probably nothing, right? Yeah. Like that probably means nothing to Darius Baisley. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, down to dunk? Oh, oh really? <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously it meant nothing to him. <laughs> that was very clear. But you know, it's a weird it is a weird situation. That's another like factor. It's not like we're sitting in a room together and he can see us. I mean, he can't see he couldn't see me. He couldn't see anybody. He he's just sitting in a room listening to somebody's voice come into the room and he has to answer the question. So that's, that's another thing. Like, I don't know. Like I'd give Bays a break. Give me a break, please. Just, just, just give well, us all. Break. I mean, let's be honest. Your question was not as bad as when you asked Kyle Singler to justify himself. It was not even close to as bad. And not honestly, I respect Kyle Singler so much for actually trying to answer the question. <laughs> he, he gave it a shot. He did. He gave it a shot. And it was hilarious and uncomfortable. Well, uh, I'm excited to see what questions you come up uh, for the rest of the week. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll get back at it today. So I yeah. uh, uh, hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you've made it through this gauntlet of a Wednesday pod, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Make sure that you... Uh, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and subscribe. We've had tons of people do it this week, so much so that they've uh, given me a little shout out. I got a little shout out from somebody up above telling me how how great that is. So keep doing it. It's very helpful. 
for our podcast. If you use that that link, theathletic.com slash down to dunk. Uh, also, leave us a five-star Apple podcast review. We would appreciate that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, that is also helpful to us if you do that. Uh, if you are just listening to the pod, you might just go check out the YouTube channel. It's kind of fun. It's fun to be in the chat. So come come join us. Hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.